Welcome to In Conversation, brought to you by Fine Music Sydney. In each episode, our host, Simon Moore, speaks to one of the important figures who make up Australia's artistic landscape. Over the course of the programme, you'll hear all about our guests' life, work and interests, along with a number of musical pieces of their choice. The following conversation was first broadcast in May 2021. Hello, I'm Simon Moore. Welcome to In Conversation on Fine Music Sydney. Noel Chislovsky has a long and rich career as a teacher, lecturer, actor, producer, conductor and director. He's performed lead roles in musical comedy and has appeared as narrator-singer in works such as Peter and the Wolf and Tubby the Tuba with the Sydney Symphony and Willoughby Symphony Orchestras. His passion for education is perhaps best expressed by the fact he is chair of the Sydney I. Stedford, one of the largest and most successful competing performing arts festivals of its type in the world. In 2016, he became a member of the Order of Australia for his services to the performing arts and community organisations. And I'm delighted to say that Noel Chislovsky is my guest in conversation today. Noel Chislovsky, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Simon. I'm, I'm exhausted already from the list that you just read out. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a long list of achievements, so I'm not surprised, frankly. But uh, let's start. Maybe you can tell us there's a bit of change happening at the Sydney I. Stedford. Oh, there is. And uh, it's not all because of COVID, but uh, COVID has played quite a big part of it. And last year, for the very first, well, the second time, really, in the 88 years of the Estedford, uh, we had to cancel the Estedford. But we weren't daunted by that because uh, we very quickly learnt all about Zoom, <laughs> doing things we online. All about Zoom, didn't we? We've all, we've all learnt that. And so we, uh, we had a number of competitions, uh, including one that went worldwide. We ended up having... Uh, entries from uh, over 40 countries from around the world, including <laughs> including some very, very unusual ones in Africa and South America. And is that the first time you've had entries from abroad like that? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mostly it's been Australia New Zealand, and uh, that's been wonderful for all of those years. But now we're starting to look a little bit further afield, which is just great. Yeah. And one of the winners was from uh, South America. Mm. Fantastic. So for you, what's the appeal of the organisation and what are you hoping to contribute to it in your role? Well, Simon, the Estedford has been a part of, of my life <laughs> from about the age of uh, or be seven or eight. And I sang my first song uh, in the Kingaroy Estedford. My teacher was just at a little one-teacher school at the foot of the Bunya Mountains. She wasn't a very good accompanist, but she could play a few chords. Yes. And so she found a piece in one of the old Parling's uh, folio booklets, and it was Silver Threads Among the Gold. And Simon, there's a little (laughs) seven-year-old, curly... (laughs) white curly hair, (laughs) and standing up and singing, Darling, I am growing old, 
silver threads among the gold. <laughs> Shine upon this brow today. Life is fading fast away. <laughs> For a seven-year-old curly-headed boy. Uh, anyway. You must I, have not really appreciated the full what, meaning of the words, though. Well, well, what happened was that there I was <clears throat> from a little one-teacher school in the big smoke, standing in front of quite a, a large audience, and they all smiled and and <laughs> looked at me, and at the end they all clapped, and I was hooked. I thought, this is wonderful. This is the life. <laughs> <laughs> but since then I've learnt, learnt many of the... Uh, wonderful aspects of uh, performing mm. in public and it it's a, uh, a wonderful way to develop confidence and mm. uh, and to try yourself out against others as well. Well that goes to Mike's question actually which was do you think the performance aspect alone is perhaps m more important than the competition aspect? I mean you were talking about winners uh, a moment ago. Sure, mm. just just the performance and Listening to other performers. Listening to others. Yes, mm. and it's amazing how much you pick up. Because I suppose when you're doing exams, you know, you, you, you all wait outside, then you go into a little room and uh, one or two people are there to listen to you and then you leave and, and that's sort of it. Whereas you're not listening to all the other children or people being students being examined, are you? you just... That's true. That's true. Mm. And as well as that, of course... You have mostly a very friendly adjudicator mm. uh, writing nice comments about you, and uh, that's always good. Although you don't always agree with the comments <laughs> that they give. I, I remember not. singing in uh, Queensland at Stedford, and uh, when I got the report, uh, it had a, a couple of nice things, you know, uh, about my singing but at the end he'd written in rather large letters very much helped by an excellent accompanist <laughs> I don't know whether that's a backhanded compliment if I may say I'm not sure what I've the appreciated accompanists ever since I suspect so, so. they're very important well I think we need to have our first selection of music uh, Noel what have you got for us first ah well one of their our great singers People, some people would say our greatest soprano, uh, of course, was Dame Joan Sutherland. And Joan became world famous, and mostly through arias and performing in operas. And she was a great uh, operatic soprano, Joan. But she also has a number of lovely, lovely songs that she's recorded uh, that show a slightly different aspect to Joan. And so I've chosen songs my mother taught me. And I think a lot of, uh, of the listeners will uh, remember something that their mother may have sung to them, <laughs> a song that their mother taught them. Uh, not necessarily for the Estedford, but who knows. Anyway, this is Joan.
the irreplaceable Joan Sutherland with Dvorak's Songs My Mother Taught Me, the first choice of my guest in conversation today, Chair of the Sydney Eisteddfod, Noel Chislovsky. Noel, at the Eisteddfod, do you have to resist trying to search for the next Joan Sutherland or the next Gerard Willems or the next Noel Chislovsky? Well, it's one of those things that some people think that this is elitist mm-hmm. and that we're only looking for the really sort of the star where's the where are the stars of tomorrow mm. and sure we've turned out many many stars or rather than saying we've turned them out they've competed and They'd gained yes. <laughs> and gained something from the Estedford. and we quite regularly get comments from uh, some of our, our greatest stars uh, about how important their performances at the Estedford were for them. But we're not really chasing the next star. These things happen, um, but what we're after is to have an opportunity or to provide an opportunity for performance for all people. And so we have very special championships and uh, special scholarships, Um, but we also have uh, wide-ranging events for uh, students of all ages. Uh, we start from about uh, eight and under, I think it mm. might be seven and under, and up to, well, any age, mm. really. Yes, there's no, there's no upper uh, limit, no, is there? No, yeah. except in the big scholarships. Yes. And there we're looking for uh, somebody who really does seem to have a future, mm. uh, a career in that area. But many of them uh, just come along and perform for the idea of performing and uh, maybe sharpening their communication, perhaps. Um, And, of course, we even have people trying out uh, for radio announcing, Simon. Mm. Well, there's hope for me Uh, yet. Right here at Fine Music. Music. So it's not elitist in that sense, Mm. and we try to make sure that we cater for all people. Mm. Now, let's go back to your earlier life. You've already spoken about that first Eisteddfod performance of yours (laughs) when you were seven years old, singing such a mature song for your (laughs) tender years at the time. But... Singing was your first instrument, if I can put it that way. Yes, it, it was. And my teacher was very keen to to get me to do some what was called then recitation. So uh, I learned some of the poems and performed in that and, and I enjoyed that. And then that developed into uh, drama, into dramatic things. And I was very fortunate to attend Kingaroy State School, as it was called, where there were teachers who were musicians. We had a a violinist there. One of our teachers was a fine violinist. Uh, We had several who played piano very well. So my training was in choral speaking and choral singing. So it was fantastic. And we had two wonderful teachers. And I might just say, you might think Simon Moore and Noel Chislovsky might be uh, sort of unusual names perhaps, but the conductor of the choir was Miss Peake and the accompanist was Miss Pook. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I had Miss Peak and Miss Spook. You're not going to forget those names. Miss Peak and Miss Spook. No, I'll never forget them. <laughs> That's great. But, but there was an early training that I yes. had, which was just wonderful. And choral singing and choral speaking, uh, just the most delightful way to develop a voice, to develop mm. an understanding of literature as well. Can I understand what you mean by choral speaking? Mm. I haven't heard that expression. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, you and I and, and six others mm. decide that we'll do a poem together. And so we might perform in unison, as you ah. might do in a choir. You might do... Mm. So we all speak the same, but... We might have something that has a, a little bit of direct speech in it, and so we might use one or other of our little group to do that. As and a the solo others, yeah, 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 a little, yeah. And the others sort of uh, hum in the background, or there are all sorts of ways of uh, treating choral speaking. So, was this activity and these competitions and so on, was that all encouraged by your parents or was it just something that happened and they said, okay? <laughs> well, well, mostly. Um, my father, who uh, had played the violin and rather fancied himself as a singer of German songs, sort of en enjoyed the fact that I was a singer mm. and a performer and uh, he encouraged it very quietly. <laughs> really? He didn't make any fuss about it. Right. It was that's something that I could do and people to say, Oh, you must be proud of young Noel, he he won this or he won something else and they'd say, Oh yes <laughs> Yeah, yes. I've heard him doing those pieces uh, there was no pressure. But you do end up going to the Sydney Conservatorium, don't you? I did. I did. That was obviously you wanted to make this the career. Yeah. Well, I wanted it to enhance my teaching. I always wanted to be a, a teacher, mm. and I trained as a teacher at Queensland Teachers College and at Queensland University and Sydney University. And that was something that I wanted all my life. And while others... Other teachers said, oh, you know, you, you could do, you take law or, or medicine. And, uh, no, you could do anything. All of that. Well, <laughs> actually, that's, that's what a vocational expert said to me. We all had to do this test, this vocational test, and then have a little interview afterwards. And when I went in for the interview, the, the uh, vocational guidance person said, oh, uh, no, whatever you decide to do, you could do. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> you do it. And I said, well, the only thing I I really have wanted to do, to do all my life was to teach. So why? And that, well, I think it started at my little one teacher school. I was very fortunate to have two excellent teachers. Clement Batstone Wiggins was one who ended up going to. Uh, Britain was a pilot in the Battle for Britain. Gosh. My next teacher who replaced him was Christopher Alexander Flynn. They were both very creative young men and I adored both of them and I adored the way that they excited me and expanded the work so wonderfully well. And uh, they were very creative. 
And very early on, they'd say, you know, tell me two numbers that make five. And of course, most people would say three and two or one and four or something. Say, so, oh, well, there must be more. And of course, he was after um, 13 minus eight. Mm. You know, and here, and so this sort of expansion of your mind so that you could take in all sorts of other possibilities. Other possibilities, yes. It was just fantastic, mm. absolutely fantastic, and I adored it. My third teacher, Simon, and I won't go through the whole 40 or 50 teachers <laughs> through school, but I'll just mention this. And... After Clem Wiggins and Christopher Flynn, because uh, this is in the war years, and our next teacher was Miss Irene Mary Best. You'll gather that I know all the names of all my teachers. Yes. Uh, Anyway, I love the fact that Irene Mary Best signed uh, any report with I am best. Mary and I thought, oh, that might even refer to me, <laughs> but it didn't, of course. Well, uh, now the next work that we're going to hear is performed by. Well, how can I put this? Someone very close to you. Uh-huh. Why have you chosen this one? Well, on this specific before this specific okay, case by her. Yeah. Well, Tamara, of course, has been one of those who've benefited greatly from appearances in the Sydney Stedford over the the years and uh, you know, right from her earliest years on she played um, but I think that she she plays Rachmaninoff very very well and with the Willoughby Symphony Orchestra some years ago I think she did the second piano concerto which is just incredible mm. work um, but I thought well we, we wouldn't be hearing a piano concerto today and so I looked at the preludes, and Rachmaninoff has some delightful preludes. And this particular one, Opus 23, number two, uh, just does. I, there's something special about uh, this particular one for me, and that's just being a proud dad.
Rachmaninoff's Prelude, Opus 23, Number 2, performed by Tamara Anichislovska, the daughter of my guest in conversation today, chair of the Sydney I Stedford, Noel Chislovsky. Noel, you did say before there that uh, you were a very proud dad, but listening to music performed by your own flesh and blood, how do you feel? Oh, yeah, it's a wonderful experience, Simon. I know how my father must have felt when when I was singing and, and performing uh, dramatic monologues and so on. There's that feeling of, of pride in uh, the accomplishments of one of your, your children, but at the same time, uh, it's not an overwhelming thing because you understand that this is what they do and they do it very well, and that's fantastic in life. If, if there's a particular talent that you have and you, and you use it to the very best of your ability, I think that's fantastic. Well, thankfully, a lot of other people have thought so. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you give her more explicitly positive feedback than perhaps your father gave you from what you were saying before? Well, I, I try to. I probably had a little bit more to do with her speech work in, in the speech and drama sections than, than in the music. Yeah. But, yeah, who doesn't respond to praise? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's often noted that as a parent, uh, you're always a parent, no matter how old your child becomes. Are you able to talk to her about music more as a fellow musician rather than as a daughter? Or Yes, yes. The, the answer to that is, is very definitely yes. And uh, we, we do talk about uh, particular works and... Mm and uh, this, the sort of style of them or the, the particular flavour that's in the music uh, that, that she's playing. We, <laughs> we don't always agree about, oh. about uh, particular aspects of, of works. But well, that's good. Good to have robust discussions. <laughs> robust, yes, <laughs> robust. Now, you you did say that teaching was was always something that you wanted to do, but you did have some forays into the world of being a, a professional performer. Can you tell me about uh, those? Well, really, um, the the SSO Sydney Symphony Orchestra um, had that series, the six thirty series. And that that series was uh, one of those where they they played works that were easily accessible to children, and they included works like Tubby the Tuba and Peter and the Wolf. Mm. And one of the uh, the committee of that uh, particular section, the six thirty series, uh, knew me and knew that uh, I loved. Performing and and had seen me perform at, at uh, different functions, um, and thought that uh, I'd be just the one to do mm. uh, Tubby the Tuba <laughs> and, and Peter and the Wolf, and I did those with 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 the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. With I did uh, Tubby the Tuba with the Willoughby uh, Symphony Orchestra and. I did uh, both of those with um, the conservatorium orchestra that uh, conducted by Richard Gill. Uh, for the ABC ones with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, I actually had a contract, which was <laughs> <How very laughs> I got up. paid, which was marvellous. <laughs> 
but I, I also for, just for doing what I like, <laughs> what I love, you know, I got paid. Yes, well, that's 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 the goal of life, I guess. But um, what about the musical comedy aspect? Again, I, I apart from that role in, when you were seven, yeah, singing that yeah, song that, to someone meant right. for decades, uh, you're singing. I know, and I have I've done a, a number of musical comedies, mm. and also Gilbert Sullivan. Mm. Uh, and in fact, I was a bit tempted to uh, try you out on some of the Gilbert and Sullivan oh, would have been very uh, ones today because mm. they're fantastic. But um, yes, I performed in, in Trial by Jury, Pirates of Penzance. Uh, what were you I in mean, Pirates of Penzance? The, the, the... How could I ask? <laughs> <laughs> they were the pirate. And, the, the, the in, and in trial by actually in trial by jury, yeah. I, I played the judge. Uh, and yes, the, I can see that the, <laughs> the, the foreman, the foreman of the jury. But my biggest success probably has been the Mikado, yeah. and playing Mikado. Uh, and it's and great because you have all that time at the beginning, of doing nothing at all, just being in your your dressing room. And you don't come on until quite a bit later. Um, but it's a wonderful role. And in the Mikado, my object all sublime and all yes. of these things that, uh, that all the things you're going to do to these yes, terrible the people, all these the people, yes. what they're going to do to them. And then, oh, of course, and then you add the extra lines. Uh, don't you? Yeah, and, and you've got, I'm not sure, but I think Melvin Morrow may have written uh, some more topical and... The scathing <laughs> well, well, isn't that the kind of thing that's always constantly updated with each production? You, that's you, right. you add some new lines, and and so so is Carnival of the Animals. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and people rewrite. I'm not always fond of updating okay. uh, some works, mm-hmm. and I I don't think it works really with Carnival of the Animals, mm. and I think it's fantastic in the Mikado. Yes, well, yeah. courses for courses. Yeah. Some more music now. Now we have some Massenet from, uh, well, a bit, bit, bit of an older recording here. Mm. Vision Fugitive mm-hmm. uh, by Robert Merrill, one of the great baritones and one of the most popular um, baritone in New York Met. Uh, fantastic. But what brings me to to this particular aria is that so many budding baritones choose this particular aria to sing in the grand vocal championship. The only thing is I haven't yet heard anybody sing it better than Robert Merrill. And so after the the finals in the aria, I quite often go home and play Robert Merrill singing <laughs> Vision Fugitive. So you know what it's supposed to sound like. And give him full like. marks. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
Great baritone Robert Merrill performing Massenet's Vision Fugitive, the choice of my guest in conversation today, Noel Cheslovsky, Chair of the Sydney I. Stedford and lifelong educator. So, Noel, why is that a popular choice for singers in competitions? Because I know there are some pieces, whether it's whatever the instrument, whatever the, the, the field, there are, there are pieces and works that people gravitate to. So why is that one of them? Well, it's interesting because it has uh, a fantastic range of tone colour. It has uh, quite a demanding range for a baritone. And really, it's not all that long. I mean, some of the arias are over long. And it's just beautiful to sing and Mm. sits very well in the baritone voice. And, of course, Massonet knew how to get a fantastic climax. And we, we've, we've just heard Robert Merrill, and that climax is just fantastic. Mm. Mm. And, oh, how I wish I'd had <laughs> a voice like Robert Merrill. Oh, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you say you go home and you listen to Robert Merrill to, to um, you know, correct all of the whatever you may have heard that day. But... You know, is it actually the best advice to people entering things like the Sydney I said for to not keep regurgitating the the quote unquote popular performance pieces? Is it yeah. better for them rather than well, uh, the person three three candidates ago sung the same thing? Some years ago, uh, the Stedford used to have a whole list of uh, set pieces, ah. and really not not just my thinking, but the thinking of uh, the, the, the staff, the organisers, uh, was that we, we were cramping things a little bit. We should give the students the choice of performing what they feel uh, they would like to perform. Mm. And so there are hardly any uh, set pieces in any of the the work anymore. But is there other a list? Than just yeah. an idea. You know, for example, right. uh, <clears throat> with the Australian poem, uh, we just say, uh, we just give a list of, of six or seven names that they could uh, Draw do from. works from mm. or or any others. You know, we don't limit it. We say, here here's the names of half a dozen or so, um, but any Australian work is appropriate. Is appropriate. Yeah. So how do you ensure that people pick something uh, of a, a suitable difficulty level, if I can put it that way? Well, that's really up to the, their teacher. Ah. <laughs> put the onus back on <laughs> Good them. teachers and and perhaps good parents too mm. know the, the sorts of works that would be appropriate. So at the risk of revealing too much that's behind the curtain... When adjudicating, how can you, how do you compare performances? It's one thing to examine someone and say they've met this requirement Mm -hmm. or failed to meet that requirement Mm. or whatever it is, but to compare performers, especially when they're performing something different to each other. Yeah. The one answer to how do you do that 
is brilliantly. <laughs> well, I dare say. <laughs> and that's how that's you, called how avoiding you, the question. You, you, do it, you do it brilliantly to give a political answer. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> to it. But look, in, in a, a competition... Some people get all excited about they got 83 and somebody got 84 and, and somebody else got 92 and uh, somebody else got 79 or something. And mm. uh, But truly, adjudicating is a ranking process. And so as you're going along, you're constantly ranking them. Was this a little bit better than that? Mm. Mm. So that one's up there. Wasn't as good? No. So it's down here somewhere. And that's one next one up there. And so when when the section is finished, you've got them all ranked. Right. And, and so it's a ranking process. It's not an absolute. Do you find it difficult to compare the last person to the first person. Does oh, that become a challenge? Yeah, and this is a challenge, and you have to keep on uh, making sure that you, you're, you're still alive and vitally interested in what's yes. going on. Yes. You know, and this is one of the things that adjudicators and examiners have to fight against is any sort of uh, lessening of intensity of mm. listening. Mm. Now, the listening skill... For the adjudicator is so vital you know you have to be able to hear understand make a judgment now sometimes when you get to the end and this happens almost too often to be coincidental the last one seems to be a whole lot better than anything you heard before or a whole lot worse oh, right. <laughs> yeah and so last isn't but, the gift slot or the death but, slot. It's just <laughs> no, but I think uh, adjudicators are, are a special sort of animal mm. and they develop this keen insight into performance and what, what makes a fine performance and they can assess that and, and assess it very readily and uh, very accurately and it's it's really interesting that so often we have again and again adjudicators placing the, the same person say the same person performs in a number of different sections it's really interesting that that person quite often is in the top uh, two or three in each each of the sections of their particular mm. instrument, or whether it's voice or violin or mm. flute or whatever it is, so adjudicators, I don't know that they're born, but they they occur after some very 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 uh, intense training in their own field. They've got a strong background in their own field. Mm. They know what makes for a fine performance on the saxophone, whether it's in jazz or whether mm. it's what, whatever form. Whether they hate music. the piece of music. Or, exactly, yeah. yes. exactly. Mm. exactly. And, and that's one of those things to overcome. You think, oh, I wonder why they're singing that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. But again, you make your assessment, and it's, it's fantastic. The amount of good information that comes from an, an expert adjudicator 
And this is the thing, we aim to give the best possible opportunity to, this, to every student, every performer, um, both in terms of, of a suitable venue, in terms of the best adjudication that we can give them mm. uh, so that there's something constructive and we advise our adjudicators to make sure that they can find something constructive that they can give to that particular performer. Mm. Well, another track of music, I think, is in order. And this one, uh, well, is from a, a very famous Australian who in his day still called Australia home. <laughs> yes. What have we got yes, now? Yes, well... Um, Peter Allen, of course, it's a fantastic story. I mean, a magnificent career that he carved for himself. And he was pretty much a, a self-made type of fellow, you know. He, he could perform and perform brilliantly. And if anybody wants to see a, a terrific performer, they only have to get onto YouTube and, and find some of the performances of Peter Allen. He is a stunning performer. And not only that, he is so insightful, he is so sincere in in his writings that this next work, Tenterfield Sadler, is, is just the most wonderful composition. But there's nobody else who can sing it like Peter Allen. The late George Wolno worked on High Street and lived on manners. Fifty-two years he sat on his veranda and made his saddles. And if you had questions about sheep or flowers or dogs, you just ask the saddler he lived without sin They're building a library for him Time is a traveler Tenderfield saddler Turn your head Right again, jackaroo Think I see kangaroo up ahead The son of George Woolno Went off and got married and had a war baby But something was wrong and it's easier to drink than go crazy And if there were questions about why the end was so sad well, George had no answers about why a son ever has need of a gun Time is a traveler, Tenderfield saddler, turn your head. Right again, Jackaroo, think I see kangaroo up ahead. The grandson of George has been all around the world and lives no special place. his last name and he married a girl with an interesting face he'd almost forgotten them both because in the life that he leads 
There's nowhere for George and his library Or the son with his gun to belong Except in this song Time is a traveler Tenerfield satellite time you had Right again, Jackaroo Think I see kangaroo up ahead The gorgeous Tenterfield Saddler from the one and only Peter Allen. The choice of my guest in conversation today, Noel Chislowski, lifelong educator and chair of the Sydney Eisteddfod. So, Noel, how does the Eisteddfod come together? Well, it's not um, brought together by the board, I can tell you that. <laughs> we stay You're not cl- rushing off the We stuff, stay yeah. pretty clear uh, <laughs> of, of, of that. But we do have a wonderful uh, Steadford staff and um, there are uh, six wonderful workers in marketing, in, in, in putting the whole thing together and they're led by a, a, a quite remarkable CEO, um, Peruzzi Desai Keen. Now, Peruzzi has been with us now, I'm not going to say 88 years uh, for the whole of the Estedford, but she's been with us for almost half of it. Goodness so me, it's that's extraordinary. Almost half of it. She's been right in the middle and of the uh, preparation for the, yes. uh, for the biggest competition of this kind in the world. And, uh, and she's made it grow. <laughs> and she's moving on. What are you going to do? Well, that's, that's the, the, Start the next again. thing. And, and so take out your handkerchief and, and, and the, the Kleenex uh, while I moan, <laughs> bemoan the loss of Peruzzi. Yes, oh uh, after being with us for about half of the 88 years, some, something like 40 years mm. now, which is... A long time to be in an, uh, an organisation, mm. and in that time, uh, she's put together so many of those Steadfords uh, early in the piece with only one or two other people. Now with a few more, but still very small group for such a large uh, undertaking. And so she d- has decided that uh, maybe. She's done her her, her, <laughs> her <time>. with <laughs> She's done her bit for Sydney Estedford, and she certainly has done that. So we're going to have to find another CEO now. You don't just uh, go out in the street and call out anybody here <laughs> interested be CEO of Sydney Estedford and hope yeah. that you get some. But uh, we we would hope that. Uh, well, any people listening at all uh, could contact uh, the Sydney Steadford and express an, an interest if there was somebody out there who is looking for a really demanding job, mm. challenging job, um, but a most rewarding job. And mm. I think uh, Peruzzi would tell uh, any people who express an interest just how rewarded she has been uh, throughout her career with Sydney Steadford. So that's a challenge for me as well <laughs> yeah. uh, because the board is responsible ultimately mm. uh, for the staffing. And um, so 
that will be something that will occupy us during these next months mm. because Perusi will, will finish at the end of October. Then she'll uh, stay on to do some mentoring of, of oh, a, a new person, which mm. will be fantastic because fantastic. Uh, she has... She has accumulated so much Wealth knowledge, knowledge, understanding, yes. uh, links with other people and so on, and all of these things. And she's she's prepared to be very generous mm. w- with um, helping whoever comes on in her place. So the search is on. Mm. Uh, but uh, we, we have a, a heavy heart. I'm sure every every time we think of uh, Sydney or Stedford without Perusi. Mm. Well, uh, just to finish up, as a lifelong educator, your contribution has been enormous. But what have you learned through this process? Oh, Simon, could we start again? <laughs> well, I'll give it another hour. Another I'll hour. cancel the next program. An- another hour. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, a great faith in people because uh, our, our people do uh, wonderful work uh, in, uh, and it doesn't matter which, which level it is. So you have a staff preparing mm. the Stedford. You have over 100 volunteers. Parents are terrific in the way that they uh, look, uh, look after their kids and, and bring their kids along and uh, shepherd those through. But then we also have have partners mm. who are terrific, and I've, I've learned that partners are so valuable. For example, Fine Music is the most valuable partner in what they do and running their radio announcing uh, section. Kauai are terrific uh, with their, their uh, support. Uh, for us, uh, but there are many others, mm. uh, both young, old, companies, uh, individuals mm. who are terrific. And I've learnt that you need to trust those people to continue to support and promote uh, our wonderful Stedford. Well, Noel Cheslowski, before I let you go, uh, we have one more piece of music which we'll, we'll come to at the very end of the program, but uh, uh, it's a great way to go out, and it's to do with dancing all night. But I, I, can't, I, I will ask why you wanted to hear this, but well, I, I think I can, hear, I can guess why. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I've got a little surprise for you, Simon. Yes. Because the wonderful Yvonne Kenny, she, she competed... In the Aria final, she didn't win that particular year, but she's been a, a winner ever I'm sure, since. I'm sure she did okay. Yes. <laughs> she, she did, but Yvonne agreed to do a, a, a special fundraiser for our Rotary ah. Club, and she made. I I hope you're not listening, Yvonne. She made a wonderful appearance at the Willoughby Pub. And sang there, accompanied by Glenn Amer, uh-huh. and it was a fantastic night, and raised a lot of money. And when I when I mention this to any other sopranos, they say, "Oh no, 
why didn't you ask me? I'd do it. I'd come and sing at the pub. Well, that's for the next fundraiser. So there you are. So I'm pretty sure that she did sing. I could have danced all night at the pub. And uh, it was a great occasion, really. Uh, and uh, she, she, as well as that, of course, she's a girl from Willoughby Girls High School in my area. Yeah. Well, that's appropriate. Well, Noel Cheslowski, we'll look forward to hearing it. And thank you so much for taking the time to come in and talk to me today. Thanks, Simon. That was great. Thank you. Noel Chislovsky, Chair of the Sydney iSteadford. Get along to sydneyisteadford.com.au to find out more details about all the opportunities available for performers, young and not so young, be it in classical and contemporary singing, choral, piano, instrumental, speech and drama, dance. It's stunning they can cover so many bases. That's all for In Conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast version of the program. It's an easy place to make sure you catch each episode and to discover older ones too. And that's easily found via your favourite podcast app and also via our website, finemusicsydney.com. We'll finish up with that final selection from Noel, Yvonne Kenny, with I Could Have Danced All Night. I'm Simon Moore, thanking you for your company on Fine Music Sydney. listening to In Conversation. This episode originally aired on Fine Music Sydney, 102.5 FM, streaming and DAB+. It was presented by Simon Moore and produced by Joe Goddard. For more episodes, just head to finemusicsydney.com slash inconversation. <laughs>